But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Lin, and I'm Jesse Lin, and welcome back to But Where Are You Really From? Today we have another cool guest that's under our Asians doing cool shit. We have Lil Waterboy. What's up? What's good? <laughs> Um, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and let them know whatever you want to say about yourself, but also where are you really from? Um, I'm Lil Waterboy. I'm really from Montreal, but my parents are from Vietnam. Um, so I'm a Montreal Canadian Vietnamese artist. Uh, I go by Lil Waterboy, and <laughs> I guess that's it. <laughs> Um, so where where did Lil Waterboy come from? The stage name. Um, Lil Waterboy came from the time like back in like high school. I I was hooping like I was playing on the basketball team, but like you know like basketball super competitive. I'm not that tall, so like I was the <laughs> water boy on the team, and like I just carry that underdog mentality into everything I do. So oh I'm nice, Waterboy. nice. And is that underdog mentality a lot of the like recurring theme in some of your rap songs, or is it? Just part of how you carry yourself. Yes, and no, in the sense that like I feel as though the underdog mentality is like a huge thing in hip hop in general.、Mm. But like, yeah, like I mean, there's always an attitude and an edge to everything I do, and I think that comes from the underdog mentality. Hey everyone, we love doing this podcast, and if you enjoy our episodes, we would really appreciate if you could support us in any number of ways. First is by subscribing to us, rating us, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Second is by telling a friend. Third is following us on Instagram at Where Are You From Pod. Fourth is by buying our merch on our website, and fifth is supporting us on Buy Me a Coffee. You can find out more about all of these by visiting our Instagram's link in bio. And again, our handle is at Where Are You From Pod. Thank you. So on social media, yeah, you talk about yourself as more than just a rapper. So what do you what do you mean by that? What else What else are you? That like kind of like little bio on my IG came from like just. Uh, having such a hard time marketing myself because、mm -hmm. I do so many creative things. Like I shoot videos, I sh、uh, do photography,、uh, graphic design, and I also start a company like、uh, Bahai Collective.、Um, yeah, I'm always creative, always doing something different, and I just didn't want to separate all those things. I wanted to, all to be like one persona, but it's just someone who does a little bit of everything. Is your rap personality though the like most prominent? Is that why you have to kind of like? Real,、yeah. real back that that's not all you are. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Like, I think my rap personality is just like I guess it's the most commercial and the most、mm -hmm. like you know the part of my name that's the most out there. So like, I guess that it's what ties everything together. As a rapper, do you feel like there's like an alter form of you that comes out when you're rapping?、Oh, like a lot of、okay. artists are like, I have this like alter ego person, and they're like completely different from who I am in real life. Yes and no. I did like wow. You guys are hitting me with the good questions right away. <laughs> <laughs> But、um, yeah, like in a way, like I feel so. This ties into like just music in general. I wouldn't say just rap, but like your persona. It's not 
necessarily your persona and how you decide to portray yourself, but it's how people receive you online is so different. Because like, I feel as though it is um, a synthesized version, like a watered down version of yourself, where you focus mainly on the most attractive or like whatever you're trying to pitch to people. Because if you put too many ideas out there, like me, I did the whole not just a rapper thing because I didn't want to go too elaborate in it. But like, yeah, if you try to pitch too many ideas, you get lost in the sauce. But you focus on like one or two things. And then when people meet you, they realize, oh, okay, I thought all rappers were this way. So I guess a lot of people are surprised when they meet me. There's a lot of layers that they didn't see before. I'll chime in there too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, based on your IG profile, yeah. I definitely expected a different persona, I guess, than yeah. what we're seeing now. I mean, you're super chill. That's, that's yeah. the vibe I'm getting right now, right? But I feel like with rap, I guess, rap and hip hop, you always have to kind of put on like a really hard exterior, I guess. Yeah. And like, it's, it's so tricky. Cause like people tell me that all the time, but I'm all, I'm still confused. Cause I feel so it's still me. Yeah. Like this is something that a lot of athletes have too. And it's like, you're chill normally when you walk around, but on the court, you're a savage. Mm. And it's the same energy when it comes to my art. I'm super serious <laughs> and whatever. But like, when it comes to like, just hanging out, chilling in real life, I'm pretty uh, down to earth kind of guy. And so what are the energies, the vibes that you're putting out in the form of Little Waterboy? Little Waterboy? I think a lot of it is like the whole underdog chip on my shoulder kind of thing. But like where that chip comes from, it comes from just like being underdog in basketball, but also like the Asian thing. You know, sometimes you wonder like, you know, do people uh, underestimate me because I'm Asian? And I feel that that's a really recurring theme especially where i'm from i know you guys it's a little bit different because the asian scene in california is really big but the asian scene in montreal is almost non-existent and like that's why i kind of like started baha'i collective uh which is like an asian like music collective so yeah i hate being put into boxes and when people try to put me into boxes i break the, out of them so it's everything that people said i can't be kind of in one mm. And let's, let's dig into the Asian aspect of being yeah. the underdog because I think that is something we don't, yeah, we don't have firsthand experience yeah. of like being not around a ton of other Asians. And the part of Canada you're in and from is not super Asian because I think depending on where people have been, like Vancouver is like super Chinese, right? There's yeah. like a lot of Asians there. So I guess it depends on what experience people have with Canada, but Canada's huge, number one. And like Montreal is very different because it's super French Canadian, right? So like, mm -hmm. what was what was that like growing up there? And like, how did your family end up there if that's not a big Asian kind of community? It It isn't a tiny one, but it isn't a big one. You know, that's where Montreal is. There's actually a lot of like uh, Vietnamese people who immigrated during uh, the Vietnamese war who came over to Montreal uh, my parents being uh, some of them. I don't know why they chose Montreal, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, they like, I guess during a war time, you're like, you'll take whatever you get, right? So they're here. That's um, true. Fast forward, me living, growing up here. I think the thing is, like, there is enough Asians in Montreal that you don't feel like, oh, I'm the only Asian in town. But at the same time, there's not enough that there's a strong Asian community. So mm -hmm. growing up, like, I feel as though, like, most Asians in my circles, I think this is a common thing, but everyone kind of wanted to be white. You know, everyone mm -hmm. tried to fit in really, really hard. Um, mm -hmm. And that was my case too. Like I have like a Vietnamese name, but I also have like a French name. 
and like mm-hmm. I would like transition to my French name. But then I don't know after a couple of year, a few years of high school, like I kind of went back to using my Vietnamese name. Let's celebrate these names. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I my full name is Quoc uh, Chuang François. François is like Frank in French. Trin. Huh. Whoa. Canada is like one thing on its own, and then like French Canada is like its own yeah. little microcosm. Yeah. So I didn't even think about that. You would have a French name in your like full name, right? That's yeah. so interesting. Like, um, well, I mean, like you know, Jesse and Angela are your names. Like, you know, like people here they don't they get French names because people speak French. Right, right, so right. yeah, but like easily can be translated to Frank. Like, you know, I also go by Frank, which is funny because whenever I, I used to apply for like you know normal jobs or. Like, uh, I would go by Frank in my resume just because I I think it would mm. increase my chances and like I think it did so it's pretty sounds pretty white yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically sounds yeah. about white white yeah <laughs> oh that's so interesting and we we talked about this off camera before but you are fluent in French as mm-hmm. well so you're trilingual yeah. trilingual yes oh. how does your French stack up against your Vietnamese? Um, so in order, like, it's funny because I went to high school in French, but like my teachers hate me because I'm always speaking English for like, no God, <laughs> good reason. Like, I don't know why I would find the English kids and speak to them in English. I don't know why. Oh, don't ask me why, because I don't know. But um, uh... yeah, so my French is pretty good, but I'd say my English is better. So it's English, then French. And then my Vietnamese, I can speak Vietnamese, but like people are like, you know, sometimes when I go to big cities, like I went to Vietnam maybe like two summers ago. And uh, I would go to a big city. I would start speaking Vietnamese. They're like, oh, you can speak in English here. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> no, that's the biggest that's insult. Rude. I hate when Asian yeah. people tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could speak it, but my accent's pretty horrendous. Mm. Oh, this actually ties into something else. Like, since Crazy Rich, I don't know why, but I've been getting a lot of new Vietnamese fans. So I installed the Vietnamese keyboard on my phone. I'm starting to try to answer people in Vietnamese. Oh, that's but, cool. Like, it's very basic stuff. Like, you know, it'd be like, thank you. I, I hope you like my music in Vietnamese, but yeah. That's cool. You gotta start somewhere. Yeah. And so tell us more though about your, like the reason why you you rap in uh, this hybrid kind of language, because it's not like, from what I saw, it's not like it's a whole song in English or yeah. a whole song in Vietnamese. It's like kind of mix and match and like yeah. where did that vision come from and what do you hope people take away from that? I think with a lot of music things, the best things come from like not thinking too much about it. And like basically me and Yeni Yuka, like we kind of reached out to each other because we were like, yo, um, you're one of the only other Viet rappers in the city. We should really do something. Um, so we kind of bounced uh, around a few ideas. Eventually we went with uh, Du Ma Mai, which is uh, the Vietnamese translation for like, fuck your mom. <laughs> which is like so dumb as a song name, but it's just like something that every Viet kid knew, even mm. if they don't speak good Viet, which is a thing for a lot of Vietnamese people uh, in North America. Their Vietnamese is not good. So mm. we just decided to go with that. And like, we just spoke it the way we kind of speak it at home. Like a lot of kids speak uh, um, French and Vietnamese at home or English Vietnamese or Vietglish as we call it. Oh. And it's just like, we just went with it and this yeah Whoa. it's not like we tried purposely to fuse the two yeah oh my gosh that's so cool that's really cool yeah i think it just makes it relatable like you know we knew who we were speaking to we were speaking to other kids like us and like we all speak viklish yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. i love it that's so funny because yeah. we've only really heard like chinglish but i guess every asian must have a yeah for sure whatever ish <laughs> 
Like um, uh, in Montreal, they do Haitian slang a lot mm. just because mm. like there's a lot of Haitian people here. But I say it all the time. Like I kind of want to make Viet words like randomly popular. If I blow up, I want people to like non-Vietnamese people to use Vietnamese word. That's so fun. I was to say, aside from incorporating the language into your music, like are there any other musical influences that you're taking from more of an Asian background or Asian origin? Um, in terms of like purely musical, like instrumentation, like Duma Mai samples, like uh, Vietnamese, dan, it's called Dan Bao music. Other than that, um, the intro, I sing in a style called, um, it's called Kai Lung, and it's basically like uh, soap opera singing. And like okay. I sing that, but with really dumb lyrics in Vietnamese. And like, I don't know, like it's just a little nudge for like people who are Vietnamese. They can, they find that oh. funny. Yeah. And like these musical influences, where did you pick those up from? Are they just kind of like things that most um, Vietnamese kids would know or it's something that you specifically learned elsewhere? Yeah. Um, when we were writing the song, we just want it to be relatable. Like it's really a Viet diaspora song. Uh, diaspora sorry i always say that word wrong but um it's a it's a song that's meant to relate to um, to these kids so we just thought of like all the things that are most iconic in like what our parents taught us you know and like dan bao music and kai lung are very popular in vietnamese culture so yeah we went with those and all right so let's let's get more into your rap career mm -hmm. so how yes. long have you been rapping um i started off making beats maybe like four or five years ago. I've always been a creative person, but like, I guess I never really pursued anything that deeply because my parents are very like tiger parent kind of personalities. Yeah, my brother's a prof at Harvard, so he ruined it for like, like <laughs> all his siblings. <laughs> oh, no. um, but yeah, so what I was noticing when I was making beats is that I never saw Asian rappers that much. Like back, in, back then, especially when I was making beats at first, I really didn't see a lot of Asian rappers and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna do it. And that's where I'm now. Let's talk about the parents. Yeah. The parents. Tiger parents. <laughs> yes. And and especially with your brother being Harvard. Yeah. Like how did how did that how they take that when you're like, I'm gonna do this now? Um, yeah. How did I break the news to them? I did not. I lied to them. So <laughs> what? I was in college, I was in uni, I was studying computer science. Like I in a different life I probably would have liked it, but I was so focused on making music. I did not go to school. I was like barely passing by like literally I would show up to the exam and no one would like have ever seen me, you know? So oh my gosh. um but at some point I was just like, you know, fuck it. I'm gonna go to Toronto. I'm gonna make uh beats because I had a few cool opportunities. Um and I told my parents I graduated. <laughs> so they still don't know? That's ballsy. No, no, no. I I told yeah. my parents they gr I graduated, but at some point, like, I think someone snitched on me. I don't know who it is. <laughs> One of my siblings, maybe a cousin. Oh, no. I don't know. But my parents were like, we didn't speak for like almost a year after that. Oh, no. oh, but Lord. slowly we kind of are getting better. And I think now that I'm a little bit older, I can kind of see where they're coming from and like, you know, the pressures that are put on them and they kind of like, you know, reflected on us. But, um, yeah, like something that I think helped a lot uh, with uh, my parents' acceptance of what I do is just like seeing my financial stability. Like now that I'm like more okay, um, they're less strict about it and less intense about it. And also like seeing me in articles for some reason just does the job for them. They think it's more legitimate because they saw me in some like some school like it's academic true. article or it something. It is true. It's yeah. true. 
Have they heard your music or did they just know that you make music? I don't know. <laughs> like there's this funny thing going on in like my IG that like um, a lot of my followers are following. And it's just like at some point, maybe like last year, my dad sent me an email and it was like, hey, are you Lil Waterboy? And he sent me an article <laughs> about me. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. So every time like my dad sends me emails, I post that on Instagram because I find that stuff hilarious. But like, that's literally all we've ever talked about. My music is, mm. are you Lil Waterboy? And like, hey, I found another article about you. And that's about it. He never commented on my music. After he sent me that email, I was like, hey, do you want tickets to my live show? He's like, no, thank you. But good luck. <laughs> oh. yeah. The email thing is cute, though. It is very yeah. cute. I feel like it's a way of caring. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Asian parents have like a really tough exterior. Mm -hmm. So those are his little like hints that he still cares and he's still like keeping tabs on you, right? Even if he's not yeah. going to be blatantly. All my siblings watch my stuff. I know it. Like oh. I know all my siblings, but they never talk to me about it. So it's like <laughs> kind of awkward, to be honest. <laughs> I wonder because I like, especially because you rep Vietnamese in your mm -hmm. songs, like... I feel like if they heard it, they, you know, feel some kind of way about it because you're repping your culture. At the same time, I am screaming, fuck your mom in Vietnamese. So <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. But no, I think like I have other songs about like, you know, my Asian upbringing or um, just like a like Asian culture in general, like that are coming out. So like maybe down the line, they will kind of relate to like why it's important that I'm doing what I'm doing. But yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about then the family you choose for yourself, which is like friends and community mm -hmm. and sounds like through your collective that you started, you found that. Tell us more about that, how you started, why you started and and like what's going on with it. So Baha'i Collective kind of started from the need of like um it came from the need that like what I was observing how um, there were a lot of Asian artists, but not a lot of them were performing. So Baha'i Collective started off as like an event kind of like business where Baha'i means home in Tagalog, by the way, because um, mm -hmm. the organization has Filipino origins. We were collabing with a Filipino university organization called Mufasa. It's like the McGill. I don't, I don't know if you guys know what McGill University is, but I do kind of. It's like people say it's the Canadian Yale or something oh, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah um so the filipino organization of mcgill and the north american asians association of mcgill manaba they kind of had a collab event with uh, me because like uh, i had a lot of friends in both groups and we just decided to do a benefit concert to raise money for typhoon ompong relief um mm. that's a typhoon that hit uh the philippines in 2018 um yeah, so from that concert, uh, we decided to throw more because it was pretty successful. And yeah, like we were just booking as many Asian acts as we could because we didn't really see them get those opportunities. So what we transitioned to is becoming a creative studio slash creative uh, agency. And the way we pitch ourselves is that we offer everything a label would to artists that are independent without actually being a label, making them sign anything. Like, you know, uh, everything's on like a one project per project basis. And we're just like really helping artists like, you know, get everything they need. Yeah. So through doing Baha'i, like, you know, I really connected with a lot of the people that I met along the way. Some people from those university clubs, some people who joined Baha'i later on. Uh, my producer, JT on the beat, he's not Asian, but he's down for the cause. He's 
you know been with us at <laughs> the beginning so like you know my family's really like you know my music family and i i physically live with them too like bahai means home in tagalog and like the way our business grew we turned it like into a physical place it's a house so like Whoa. i Yeah, so we live like I'm currently in the Bahai house and we have like a music studio in one room. I have my personal studio in like my closet over there and we have like a whole graphic design like kind of like a lobby kind of space Oh, that's so cool. That yeah. is really cool. You're like um terrace house but Canadian Asian. <laughs> Canadian terrace house. Um so as part of the collective, have you have you seen or met any artists that have or added to your own artistry you're working with them and you're like wow this is like a really cool you know whatever it is that they're doing whether it's yeah. like rap or other other kind mm -hmm. of things um i think i guess that's a driving force between like our transition as a company but also just like our continued passion for this project is just we constantly meet people that we wouldn't have met otherwise and we like you, people really underestimate the value of a network it's humongous it's like There's so many cool people, but if they never met each other, like they wouldn't have been able to influence and work with each other. And like, you know, creating a network just allows all these people to work kind of towards uh, a shared goal. Like, I'm so happy for all the people I've met um, through Baha'i. And honestly, like, I don't think I can count them. Um, there are just so many. And I think that's something that applies to people who either worked, uh, volunteered at our events or the artists. Like everyone always meets people. Like I met Uh, Ching through uh, Baha'i. Ching is the artist on Crazy Rich. Um, but yeah, there's play like Lone Star and Golden Child, two Montreal artists also met and had a song together um, at one of our events. So like, yeah, Baha'i events is definitely a place for people to meet. And that's something we're proud of. So question, because it sounds like, you know, through your own efforts and Baha'i, you guys are creating this community and like bringing people together that otherwise wouldn't know each other um, or know more people within this like Asian Canadian space. Mm -hmm. uh, previously, we spoke with an Asian American singer, Azra, and she talked about how there aren't many like Asian American artists. I guess she was saying that it's not super collaborative right now in the Asian American musician space because it kind of feels more like there's only a limited amount of like attention or whatever. So they have to kind of like fight each other a little bit, although she's trying to change that by being more collaborative, but that's the sentiment she feels outside of your own efforts where like you are actively trying to be super, you know, collaborative and like community driven. Is that largely similar to how you're seeing the Asian Canadian artist space? I think, um, I think something important is like to be the change you seek, you know, like the reason I do this is because I feel as though there's a lack of it. But at the same time, I feel as though like once you put the energy in, you'll get it back, you know, like because um, we create this network for people, they appreciate it and they give back to us. And like, you know, this benefits us all. So I think it's really like, you know, it is um, kind of like a one step at a time kind of thing. Like, yeah, it can improve, but like, I do have hope for the future because like, you know, I think the results are already coming. So also I'm very confused because when I look at the like Asian American scene, I'm like, wow, I wish the Asian Canadian scene was more like that. Because like you guys, like, I feel as though like, yeah, sure. Um, if you do the relative comparison where you compare Asian American artists to other American, like white American artists, you're like, wow, the gap is so huge. But like, you know, at least Asian American artists, like they'd have a platform, you know, mm -hmm. Asian Canadian artists. When you say that, I think most people are like crickets. 
Mm. Like there are some, but like you know, like what I'm trying to get at is like it really is hard to like name them if you're just a casual um, music fan. Whereas like uh, with Asian American artists, there's like uh, Idiot Rising that's kind of like getting a name for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like uh, I guess independent Asian American artists that are also building a name for themselves, uh, Keshi, uh, Audrey Nuna. But yeah, I feel as though there are people to look up to. We gotta expand our knowledge of Asian American. Yo, artists. if you guys want, like, I can make you guys a playlist because I think yeah. there are, like, I would yeah. love that. Yeah. Honestly, I have found a few um, new Asian artists since mm-hmm. this is like since we started working on our podcast and we had mm-hmm. Azron, and it's actually like really interesting the breadth of material that people are working on. Yep. So I was like listening to I think like techno house from somebody in Hong mm-hmm. Kong, and then. Mm-hmm kind of this like folksy rock thing manic pixie girl from the uk so it's been an interesting oh yeah in the uk that like uk and australia there's a few like you know is it uh i i'm gonna butcher her name (laughs) but it's like bea badoo yes is that how you oh yeah like she's huge now yeah she's dope uh you should check out dane it's another artist like kind of in that lane that i like a lot she's from australia she's really not that well known yet but I mm. think she's amazing. Is there a word for Asian diaspora? Like, but like the adjective to describe someone from the diaspora? Diasporic? We don't know. And that's, I, I think we just keep saying like Asian blank. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think there's something that ties us all together. Whether yeah. it's Asian Australian, Asian Canadian, yeah. Asian American. There's like, there should be a word for it. Yeah. Yeah. In Vietnamese, there is though. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like... um shout out Viet Q playlist but they kind of like took a popular Viet word and like every time a Vietnamese person goes to um, Vietnam they call it Viet Kiel and that just means like overseas Vietnamese person mm. oh interesting but like yeah I met someone like through doing music that they were trying to start the playlist uh, called Viet Q but with the letter Q and they just like kind of like made a playlist of like Vietnamese artists all overseas and they kind of made group chats for us and all that and like it's just really really dope damn yeah kind of all relate on a lot of things even though we're from different parts of the world i have one final loaded question about music Uh how do you respond to people who say that asians can't rap um this is a really tricky one i think all questions are tricky actually (laughs) because i'm one of those people that like i hate black and white answers i'm not a black and white answer person um it's a hard space to navigate for sure i think the first thing um when someone says that the first thing that that I kind of think of is like, why are you pointing it out specifically? Because a lot of times people are like, oh, Asians can't rap, but they're okay with white people rapping. And that makes no sense. Or Latinos rapping. Or like, mm-hmm. when I think about that, I think like, yeah, like, are you genuinely offended of like the content of my rap music? Or are you more offended by the fact that you don't think Asian people can like, you know, can do cool stuff or like you just have these weird um, racial biases against Asian people. But for the people who are genuinely, genuinely like, I guess, worried about the kind of like appropriative aspect of it, I think it's a really hard space to navigate. Like, I do think that there's a fine line to tread between appropriating and appreciating. And that's always the challenge that um, every like non-Black artist has to uh, tread doing hip hop music. Um, but at the end of the day, like what I do personally is like, I am very conscientious of like my imprint on society or on the music culture. And like, you know, I try to keep myself 
grounded by being around like good people when it comes to uh, these kind of things and like, you know, always trying to do something positive as opposed to negative. Because like, yeah, there's a lot of artists that I feel like, you know, on one hand, some people think that it's like, oh, social justice warrior stuff, like, oh, no one can do anything anymore. But and sometimes that's a little bit true. But on the other hand, sometimes there are people who are genuinely disrespectful with the kind of uh, music or kind of content that they create. So it's a fine line to tread. And there's no um, black and white answer to it. You really have to like navigate that on your own. But do put in the effort to navigate. I do appreciate that you are making it your own, though, like with yeah. these Vietnamese influences and stuff. That's mm-hmm. like making it into a, a new thing, right? Yeah. That's like taking inspiration from something as a base, but then you're you're making a n- new product out of it. That's not just stealing something, you know, something yeah. else. And yeah, that's something that I think about a lot, too. Like, you know, I don't want I didn't want to come in and like start making music about like, you know, hardships that I didn't have to go through, right? That wouldn't make any sense. So I kind of wanted to make music that I would relate to and hopefully other people who had similar situations to me would relate to. All right. So I think we'll move into our closing fortune cookie section. And we talked about this a little bit before, but maybe you have a specific answer in mind is um, let's dream about pre-COVID days. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) like we wanted to know what's the most fun show that you played pre-COVID? I opened for Manila Gray. That's they're like a Canadian rap duo when they came to Montreal. That was a pretty fun show because I think that was the first time um, I performed at a big non-Baha'i event. I think it was like 500 people and like people were like going crazy and cheering. And I'm like, who who are you? (laughs) But... Who are you? You guys are like going crazy. I love y'all. But um, so that was one was pretty cool. And like the first Baha'i event ever, I think that just holds a a special place in my heart, you know, just because like, you know, that's where it started kind of. Yeah, you did that. That was your baby. Yeah, (laughs) you did that indeed. Well, thank you for joining us. This was a really fun conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Like, I definitely got to know a lot more about American <laughs> stuff. <laughs> How self-centered we are. <laughs> uh, and for our listeners, where can we find you? What are, what are the new projects that you have coming out? New music okay. that you have coming out? So um, I dro- I just dropped the Crazy Rich video uh, featuring Ching. Um, we're two like Canadian Asian artists trying to make it. And uh, yeah, you can find me as Lil Waterboy on Instagram. L I L W A T E. R-B-O-I. Um, it's an I, not a Y. Um, you can also find me on Spotify, any streaming platform that you want. And what I'm working on right now, it's like, it's funny because like uh, I did do my mind did Crazy Rich and I have a bunch of these singles lined up and they all have kind of like, they kind of have like some kind of Asian background to it. And I'm trying to do this and like reach out to the Asian diaspora this way. But my project that's coming out after that is a complete like, 180 because it's super personal and it's really Mm -hmm. just about my experience it's very emotional and um the sounds and style is really different so like i'm really excited to see how like people take that like 180 but yeah stay tuned for that very cool awesome yeah all right well if you have questions about this episode the topic or little water boy you can also email us at tell us where you're from at gmail.com the your is y-o-u-r-e or if you're also an artist and you want to connect you want to share your story write us in as well and we'll we'll see what we can do there 
Um, and come back next week for a fresh new episode. But until then, Sai Jin, bitches. bitches. <laughs>